Hello, and you're listening to The Seventh Reel. This week, Purple Noon 1960 film directed by René Clement and Monsieur Klein, a 1976 film directed by our returning uh, director, Joseph Losey. Losey. Wait, what have we watched Joseph... by him before? The Servant. Oh, all right, yeah. That's why I picked this. I was uh, like... Yes, this is he's amazing director. Well, I would like to say that first, the common theme between these movies is the very beautiful actor, Elaine Delon. Yusuf, <laughs> this was your pick this week. Please yeah. uh, justify yourself. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to reverse engineer it and say like, oh, it's, uh, I picked it because of identity and stuff like that. Ah, <laughs> but, I see. But really, <laughs> I just want to, I wanted to watch more of his movies because I watched that movie, La Piscine the the swimming pool the swimming and pool it was amazing like really like one of like my favorites just in terms of like like maybe i'm 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 becoming my dad where i was just like watching it i was like oh it's so pretty out there in france <laughs> and so i was like <laughs> i was like purple noons kind of like that and then i i saw that you know uh, mr klein was directed by uh, mm. joseph L- losey yeah the guy Lose. who directed the servant so i was like all right, let's do it. Let's do both of these. But yeah, great picks. Mm-hmm. Both of these and it, both of these movies are a fantastic. I feel like I'm not not just fantastic, but fascinating pair. As you said, they're both about identity. Uh, mm-hmm. One's about stealing someone's identity. The other one is arguably about losing your identity. Mm-hmm. And also, the actor Elaine Delon at two very different stages of his career. I think. Yeah. He looks like yeah, because in Purple Noon, he looks like a. Like those guys on those airport romance dime store novels, you know, like they look, <laughs> he, he looks too good to be, he looks too beautiful to be like a real person, which I think is a very, very awesome casting on the director's part because the character he plays is a psychopath. In Purple Noon. In Purple Noon, yes. It may be very interesting. Why can't in, like, psychopaths this, be pretty? Well, it's more like, because like, he, this guy is absolutely terrible, but you kind of want him to get away with it. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. totally. You kind of just kind of, like, uh, the way, it, and but I think the film is very... It, oh, go on. No, well, it's always it's also set up like with a scene and him being like you know abandoned on the on the rowboat thing, like stuff like that, yeah. where he's being like kicked around by this guy. It's kind it's kind of set up for you to root for him, right? Don't you think? Yes, and the way his uh, the guy, the wealthy guy, Philippe, was treating him towards like like throughout, like there's a very obvious like disdain for his like class position mm-hmm. he obviously thinks like this guy is like you know beneath me i think the backstory of why he's there being sent is a lot it's uh, much more elaborated more deeply elaborated but is it true in the book. it's not true well is, is, is it true no, is but it the true guy it's says, like, I, I never met him before we, i don't know him yeah She's, he says to the woman at one point so like mm-hmm. really he probably just doesn't know like yeah that's probably not why he's there but then why is he sent why was he sent there was he sent, or did he just seek out these people? Ooh. Yeah, that's part of it. I mean, I was confused when he was like, oh, he's just making it all up. I love this guy. But at the same yeah, time... I, thought, <laughs> I, was like, I was like, awesome. He keeps insisting to, you know, write back to his dad, so so he would, you know, he would gain nothing. I wonder it. how much of that is, like, carried over from the book. Well, um, what, what is the book, like, uh, what happens The Talented there? Mr. Ripley. Yeah, but what happens in it, like... Oh, okay, so I'm just... Okay, so I just yeah. pulled up the Wikipedia page just for, like, a quick juxtaposition. They cut out the first act, essentially. The movie starts, essentially, once he's in Italy. He's in New York City. He he was approached by a shipping magnate, Herbert Greenleaf, to travel to this place to persuade his son to return. 
Mm. Um, so yeah, so he it really he is really is just some guy. But then he greatly exaggerated his like relationship with his son to order in order to get the job. I think. I see. And he's just this, and he's just a drifter. In which case, I think this film is very interesting, and in, like it admits that first act because that's just set up. It just starts immediately in it. Um, they're in, they're in Italy. They're two, there's just two guys because I was kind of confused by the relationship initially, right? Yeah. You're just two yeah. guys hanging out, and then you guys, oh, like one's a lot wealthier than the other. Alain Delon's character is very obviously kind of obsessed with him, mm-hmm. with this Philippe. Yeah. The scene when he dresses up in his clothes mm-hmm. and like starts like posturing from in the mirror. Um, very, uh, very good, very good actor. And you, even like post the murder, he's he's continually pursuing. Um, yes. The the woman Marge, like he keeps Marge. Uh, yeah trying Marge. to seduce her. So I think I think he's like actually trying to become him. He's not only yes, because any other con man would have just taken the money and ran. Mm-hmm. But instead, he he becomes this guy. He books the hotels. He keeps like using his name and like it's yeah yeah. And, and, and that's kind of what it has with Mister Client, like in common with Mister Client. Yes. Like it's, it's sort of like the they're like drawn to the whatever this path leads them down to. Like yes, both of these characters, the they can't let it go. And in both cases, both of this, the, it's so cool to see the parallels between these two movies. They both pay the price. Yeah, of their arrogance, of their because of their pride. I think Monsieur Klein is a fascinating movie. It made me want to really watch uh, The Conformist because I think that's like a close companion piece that people mention. Never seen it. Uh, this is a great movie about fascism. The it's I think it's one of the it's great exploration on why like these things happen, why fascism is allowed to is is so prevalent. Is because most people are indifferent. <laughs> yeah, and once they figure out they can profit off it, that's fine. And once they figure out they can profit off it, why not? Why not? But Michelle, why, what why were you not gonna you say? Yeah, Michelle. Yeah. Oh no! It's just like the like the ideology and like the stu- like the entertainment becomes like mocking of it, and it all just becomes like you culturally hate these people, which is like mm. why it yes. got so far. Because you know people kind of that knew what was happening, they but yeah. they didn't do anything. They just mm-hmm. laughed along, and until it happens mm-hmm. to them, they don't care. Yes, and it's all done to by themselves to themselves, which I think is the most horrifying part. Is that at till the almost like the last 20, 15 or so minutes, he still believes like I'm a good Frenchman. I'm going to go to the authorities. They're going to take care of this. They're not going to do anything to me, right? It's not my problem. I'm not part of this. And I almost I guess he insists that up until he gets shoved into the uh the train cars to Auschwitz. But uh but well that that's what I didn't get. Like okay, it says it's uh, Kafkaesque, blah blah blah, all that. But why oh, yeah, very. why does he, you know, why does he, he he just goes along with it? I I get it. It might be like a metaphor for something, but just mm-hmm. internal logic wise, like why do you think he continues oh, to because- leave? Because he 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 wants to he wants to come out on top. He wants to prove himself right. No, it's not that. He just thinks that he's safe. He's not a Jew, and someone will see that, and someone will make sure that he doesn't get stuck with mm. these people. But like, as an audience, we know what Auschwitz was like, and all of the concentration yes. camps. When you're in, you're in. No one's getting out. No, they don't care about you. You're just viewed mm. as one of them. You're sheep. You know, like we know he's never getting out. No one's saving him now. And he keeps saying, I'll be back. Yeah. Even while, mm-hmm. as he's being shut. That was, it's so, I love the ending so much. It's so haunting. And uh, yeah. both endings, actually. I think both movies are pristinely directed. I miss, 
these like movies about these thrillers where it's not shot like a TV movie. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. Actual care came into this, the set design and music and the use of music because thrillers nowadays just use like those uh, high like screeching violins, right? That's the only type mm. of thriller music these days. But now in the back in the back in the seventies and the sixties, they use pianos. It's, it's all this. It's all a mood piece. The entire. It's, that's kind of what a thriller is supposed to be, in my opinion. Yeah. Well, you know what else, Mister Klein reminded me of Eyes Wide Shut. Yes. Where the this he's like he keeps this figure keeps like insisting that he's you know yeah. not me going down this path y- yeah sort of as well yeah kind of like the tenant because this the spiral because it all starts so normal <laughs> mm-hmm. i think polanski uh, is more like uh, like anxiety provoking like the character mm. doesn't know what's going on this has too much pride oh yeah this guy signs his death warrant uh he he got himself into this i have zero sympathy to for him towards the end i mean yeah, you do because we'll, he's gonna get killed but yeah uh, but yeah, it but, starts off with him like you know taking advantage of this guy exactly that was, selling the painting and then you see him in the end so much cruelty in that one scene you i love yeah exactly yeah. that's so haunting so so i was like okay well, well he kind of does deserve it but yeah but you know no one does <laughs> no one like, deserves uh, this. No one deserves this. The the uh, the thing I okay. Well, I ha- I had a couple of questions that really stuck with me. Like where I was watching it, I was like, maybe you guys can answer this. The other guy, uh, what wh- wh- what was his mo- or, no no mi- the other Mister Klein, the other Robert Klein. Yeah, what was, was it his the same motivation actor in both films, or did they just look similar? <laughs> Because it was like a, Wait, a chubby mean? guy in... Oh, his friend, yeah. Room. Oh, my God. I, kind I, of like a I was thinking role. about that, too. The American. Uh, well, no, the old American, I don't think so. No. I don't think so. I thought, like, the film leaves it up to interpretation whether the other guy even exists. Yeah, yeah. So that's not just me. Okay. Because it's like, he's tall. Like, he's like described to be looking exactly like him. He's the mirror image of him the insist the scene when he visits his father and asks for his grandparents papers this the, the father's like very vehemently denial like oh we have been catholics and like like in french like this entire way through can either be you know just pure bigotry or you know them trying to act maybe he is a maybe co- he is a Jew. cover it up it does yeah and they covered it up because it does throw that into question right but the the fact that the other guy had a relationship with the landlady means that he's yes. a real person so that that's something and like the mm-hmm. the dog following him stuff like that where it seems like this identity yes. keeps hoisting itself on him but then there's this other evidence that the, the like within the logic of the movie exists this guy who's trying to do that like so it mm-hmm. it's it's kind of strange because it, it does both like it does like yes. plant your feet uh, bo- like one foot in in this world where he's being you know to- uh, not tortured but like being you know uh set up framed yeah, essentially. yeah. A- and it's like one of those thrillers and then it's the other side is like this kind of more you know, mystical, metho- metaphorical kind of. Stuff. It's very much metaphorical in one in yeah. one sense. I think it's a lot of stuff is pure. The uh, the scene in the beginning when they're talking about the painting, mm-hmm. it's kind of them. It feels like the film, like oh, the film kind of laying it out. It's like what the philosophical, like what does it all mean? And it's not just a condemnation on Nazi Germany. It's a condemnation on Vit- on the French government at the time, the Vichy government, I think. That essentially collaborated. Yeah, it's going like, I lo- oh, whatever. The best, mm-hmm. the coolest parts of the coolest part of the movie, Mr. Klein, is the setup to the the roundup. 
Because throughout the entire movie, you keep seeing these police officers in the boardroom and the map of the mm-hmm. city, right? And then it cuts to all the typewriters, which is very like uh, reminds me a bit of, of uh, Terry Gilliam's Brazil, mm-hmm. the monotony. This this is what the banality of evil looks like. Type, mm-hmm. Like these people typing up typing up names, and then you see the police gearing up. It's all like interludes building up to like the final roundup, which is which happens. This is a real incident that happened in 1942, July. Yeah, July, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But okay, well, here's my second question: Is what was that song she was playing that got them all riled up? I think it's a resistance marching tune or something like that, or a tune. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a hundred percent. Because the way they reacted to it mm-hmm. is either an old French national nationalistic song. Well, that was it like just now, the French like, national anthem? No, that's not not La Marseillaise. Oh, I don't know. No, I, say, I don't know the French national. That's the French national. Have you seen Casablanca? I've heard about Casablanca a lot. That's the French national. That's so funny. I thought that was an English yeah, tune. <laughs> yeah, I, honestly, I wouldn't know either. Yeah. I how? Uh, how? <laughs> and I watched how, uh, Casablanca as well. Appropriate of you yeah, to think yeah, it's English. <laughs> But I mean, one's more way, way more conventional in its uh, approach. Like Purple Noon's kind of essentially just like you know uh, a bit more direct mm-hmm. in what it's doing and a little you know more uh, I, I don't know what the word would be I can't find it it's not conventional that would that would feel insulting but you know it's yeah. uh, they're both good I like them both for different reasons I guess Patricia Highsmith who wrote a talented Mr Ripley she did Strangers on a Train. The book to that, which I think is also mm-hmm. kind of an identity thing. So that's doing things mm-hmm. for the people, kind of. Which I think she was gay, so I guess that you know mm-hmm. identity wouldn't be a big thing for her. Ah. Uh, But at a time when you know being gay wasn't okay. Yeah, 1921 till 1995. I thought Mr. Klein is an excellent companion, also to the servant. Uh, this this director is. Very in tune with uh, class struggle. Well, not just class struggle, but like how to embody like modern society and with this cold. Mm-hmm. You describe you, you compare him to Kubrick, and I honestly think that's a very apt comparison, both in visual style and like the sort of characters that you follow in his movies. Because and I thought it's interesting how both of these roles, like Alain Delon, known as he's like this impossibly beautiful man, and both times, both in both of these roles, he plays not particularly like like not traditional protagonists. Even in, I would say, arguably the La Samurai, he plays like a. He doesn't play like a traditional hero. But but both these roles, he plays like a weaselly type of guy. You know yeah. what I mean? Like he's kind of like just you're you're watching him and you're like ah, oh. you know you're trying to I don't know. He feels like not evil, but like a bit more kind of uh, very. Psych- ins- he's a kind of ins- psychopathy kind of yeah vibe. i like how in the first in, in purple noon he's still young and he can like play up his uh his eyes for like this sense of like this lost boy you know this guy this boy just wants a lot and then in you know 16 years later in mr klein it's uh he's this he's so cold in the first like two-thirds of the film I, i'd say mm-hmm. um just with that scene in the beginning when he's like tr- he's basically trying to she's shortchanging the uh the jewish man For the art piece, right? He's like six hundred, three hundred, and that's kind of what the film ends on as well. The way he does it, it's this. It's it's I. It's it feels so vile, but he he's not even doing that much. He's not shouting or anything. He's just plainly stating like, no, this is as much as I will pay for it. Like get the like, I know, and he this understanding like I know exactly what sort of situation you're in. So and I know I can like afford 
to take advantage of you. And he does it in such a nonchalant way. I thought that was amazing. Any other observations, Yusuf? I have one. Yeah, Michelle. I thought the mm-hmm. sunburn looked very realistic. Yeah. <laughs> just oh, like reminding me of when I was sunburned and I just... Not fun. <laughs> oh, he's like... <laughs> Well, I, I think they're also kind of interesting to watch back to back because the weather is so different in both movies. Mm. Mm. Italy comes out on top, I would argue. Yeah, definitely. I'll definitely go to Italy. <laughs> in the summer? Oh my god. Mm. All right. Well, that's it. Okay. Shall we take a break? Mm-hmm. Yep. And we're back! Now, oh, I just wanted one thing I want to bring up about Purple Noon mm-hmm. right before we move on. All these characters are supposedly American. What? And they all, yeah, no, yeah. This is, they're all supposedly American. That's why they got the, the, the friend. And he's like, uh-huh. from San Francisco. So the way they compensate that is just to overtly pronounce the English names in a very American way uh-huh. and then continue speaking French. And I was getting annoyed by that. And then I realized this is what all the other countries feel like when, like, you know, it's a movie set in France <laughs> and all these characters are British. <laughs> and he's just, just throwing a random monsieur. It's like, this is what they feel like Every watching Lady Miserable, I guess. Scott movie. Yeah, I was like, oh, this is just the flip side, the other side of the coin. Okay. I felt like how he said Marge uh, was really American. Marge! <laughs> I, I thought it was yep. just, uh, you know, they were a French family who went to, uh, went to America, mm-hmm. made their fortune. And then that was... I mean, they could. Yeah, but you don't know any French, French person with a last name Ripley, so... <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. So they, I think they turned him from, it was originally George or something like that. Then he turned him to Pierre to make him <laughs> even uh, the one, the, the one yeah. even more French. Doesn't but make, this make one, sense. Isn't that a talented Mr. Ripley with, what's his name? Brad Pitt in it? No, it's Matt Damon and Jude Law. Oh, they all look the same to me. That's uh, <laughs> <laughs> Matt Damon and Jude Law. They, they, okay. So, that's, which brings us to mm-hmm. our ratings. Seven reels, everybody. Step right up. Mm-hmm. Seven <laughs> reels. To go first. I, I can go first. I can do... The, mm-hmm. Is this a cop-out? Uh, 3.5 and 3.5. Is that- <laughs> well, reels can't be divided in half. You can't play half a fucking reel now, can you? Play half okay. reel, it's half a film. <laughs> yeah, uh, well, okay. Then uh, four to purple noon, mm-hmm. just because of the, the you know, it's... It's I'm I'm a bit more like partial to stuff that's set in like sunny places and, and <laughs> conventional murder stories and the uh, and then three to Mr. Klein although I loved both so much but yeah mm-hmm. yeah I'm the same Purple Noon was just a bit more like lighter to watch yeah. well I agree on that front uh, but I'm gonna be a contrarian Ooh. and say give four to Mr. Klein I I thought it's fascinating this is one of the best movies I've ever seen about like exploring ideology like you know the why we do the terrible things that we do this movie is a fascinating look into that and but at, but at the same time I would argue that Purple Noon is the much more fun movie to watch with the music the food the sun yeah mm-hmm. so that brings us to what have we watched this week mm-hmm. well what have you guys watched Yusuf, do you want to go first oh no i'm i'm quite interested okay. invested in what you All guys right. have to say michelle michelle what have you watched this week or what have we watched this week i watched the lost daughter the maggie gyllenhaal director one directorial debut mm-hmm. i didn't like it uh, that's uh, based on the ferrante book right is it, is it is. yeah i think so oh cool 
I don't know. I just felt like it went to areas that were just... I don't know why they did it. Other than the fact that, like, showing the struggles of childbearing, rearing, whatever it's called. Mm -hmm. Which isn't shown that much. But I feel like I've seen a lot of things where it's shown that much. Where it's much more lighter and seems to, like, have some kind of purpose. Mm -hmm. But to me, this just felt like very meandering and I didn't, not that it needs to have a point. It just felt like you go to this weird, awful place and you just kind of stay Never there and don't it. come out and there's <laughs> yeah. not like anything else. So I don't know. They don't work for I me. I thought it was very bold of her. Like as she could have played it, she, you know, for a directorial debut, she could have played it a bit safer. Mm-hmm. Uh, with a much more traditional story but this she made a movie that's decidedly about a horrible not about people who don't want to be parents but i don't even know I if think. it's that uh, though it's just i very much cons- i feel i feel like that's kind of what the film is like making is highlighting like if cinema is just a t- like you know an exercise in perspective like why not ingrain yourself in the perspective of someone who is but she's not like completely awful person she just exactly got, like exactly. what she wants in front of her children which mm. as a mother is seen as very bad but if a man does it it's fine like this yes um there's a because it reminded me of this book that I haven't read by Rachel Cusk where she mm. just wrote like it was like by autobiographical that how awful it is to have a child and like yeah. how annoying it is and everything and it's like got such mm. backlash mm. and that she's yeah. an awful woman she shouldn't have children all this mm. stuff it's kind of like that same realm it's very mm. like weird should it exist like or sh- is like them thoughts are they okay how much can you explore them you know it's, yeah, it's a we- weird area We've become like sort of just so you know used to men complaining about oh I gotta go back to the wife and kids blah 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 through all these like sitcoms and stuff like that that's fine whereas mm-hmm. the opposite side of it is like un like it's unbelievable like it's like what how dare you uh, what are your where are your maternal yeah. instincts you cold bitch you know like that's that's yeah. that's weird but I feel like there's such a gray area that we can't mm-hmm. see. That it's very like black or white. You're a good mother. You're a bad mother. There's no like you're a decent mm-hmm. mother. You know, but mm-hmm. you still kind of resent your kids and like yeah. But and that's not great. But it's just it's just I don't know. It's a weird space to go in. I think it's fascinating. I loved. I like all the actors uh, who show up. Olivia Colman's really good as usual. Dakota Johnson was also pretty good. And I love the actress who plays the uh, younger self of Olivia Colman's character. She's the same one in the uh, Charlie Kaufman "I'm Thinking of Ending Things" movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's really good. I, I really mean, like she's her. good, but her accent is all over the place. <laughs> like I know she's yeah, trying she's, her best, yeah. but she has a Yorkshire accent, which mm-hmm. Olivia Colman doesn't have. Well, sort of Yorkshire accent, and then sometimes she slips into her own irish accent and she's trying to be english she's much more consistent on fargo where she just has to play a miss someone from minnesota i mean also the fact that there um, were so many americans in greece yeah not realistic i've been to greece mm. a few times and i've never seen a single american like Amer- it's too far like americans don't go on like go there for holidays like that <laughs> yeah. it just it doesn't happen it's unrealistic so i couldn't get over that <laughs> Okay, but which I would say I would still recommend it. It's 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 a bummer, but it's I interesting. But it's respect not it. Fun. I respect it's it. A bummer. I really respect it. <laughs> okay, <laughs> Maggie Gyllenhaal. I was she's wow. I'm very surprised that she this came. Then again, she did the kindergarten teacher, I think, and that was like I think similar. So it's not her debut she, then. Uh, no, she, she no, it is her debut, but oh. she the kindergarten, kindergarten teacher. Uh, I think she. 
Uh, no, but like it's. I think she was heavily involved in the creation process, and it's also another movie about a woman who isn't. I really more, like that like, traditionally. Yeah, it's, that's what was based on an Iranian film originally, I believe. Mm. So, we also watched <laughs> on the other side of the coin a intentionally bummer. It's a movie that's intentionally made to be a bummer, but comes across more as a comedy. Sandra Bullock's Tour de Force Netflix film. Um, both of these are Netflix films. The Unforgivable, mm-hmm. in which. She plays a woman who has just been released from prison after 20 years back into society that uh, shuns her for her past crimes. Because she killed a police um, officer. Because she, she killed a police officer. It's, it's also based um, on a, a TV, like a British TV show. And it shows the pacing's all over the place in this one. Characters just kind of appear. I thought with, it was like, okay. Like I didn't like, hate it. I, just, I thought it was very... It tries so hard to be a, a big, like statement on what exactly but it's like, the same what as is like this film the trying to condemn what is that trying to condemn i feel like the movie had a point that that one had a point mm-hmm. it's very much about like the struggles of motherhood this is about because something a third act reveal completely deflates any like catharsis this character is any can like can build up to no it doesn't um, it just kind of absolves her yes it absolutely no, it doesn't. does you can't it say what it is because it's a spoiler yeah i i have to say no you can't is. say what it you is because that's not fair to people who haven't seen it Okay, whatever. I what I will say, John Bernthal, a great actor, shows up and then just disappears. Mm. Like they, they they he they kind of just forgot about him. <laughs> and then um yeah, it could have been I think a more humanistic story, but it also wants to have a soap opera third act. So, here you go. So it does so it doesn't jive. <laughs> In my that's it's it's a I I I I, I don't think it's terrible. I think she'll get probably get an Oscar nom for it. She's not she going to get an Oscar nom Why not? For this. Are you kidding? She's not going to get the Oscar. She's not that. She's not that good. I think she was all right. She was okay. John Berthold came across more like a real person. But I than watched her. The Blind Side um, on the plane the other day, and she was really good in that. <laughs> Which yeah, I think she got the Oscar like, for that. You know what? You know why I liked her in? You know why I liked her in Heat? The Heat. Okay. You know? mm-hmm. Yusuf, what did you watch? What did you watch? So I watched two documentaries about Ooh. the same thing. Almost. Wow. One was called Pharma Bro about that Martin Shkreli guy. Oh, yeah. And the other one was called We Work or the Making and Breaking of a $47 billion unicorn. So it both, yeah, both examine these like weird, you know, figures in culture now. And they kind of do it in like different ways. The We Work one is a bit more traditional where it just like, you know, sets up what happened and how, you know, ridiculous and how much money this guy like, you know, wasted and how he got away, you know, without any consequences. Mm-hmm. Whereas the um the second one, the one about the pharma yes. bro was kind of it followed the filmmaker moving into the guy's building and trying to get to know him and like you know following his live streams and calling in and stuff like that so that was kind of interesting it was like done like a cool you know isn't marshrelli in jail he's in jail but this was pre that like it was like the the year leading up to that to the to the him Uh, going into the courthouse did they go into the wu-tang album (laughs) yeah they definitely went into it and he interviews like (laughs) ghostface killer and stuff like that but it's kind of interesting because you come away with it like first off i'm i'm some some aspects of it uh were really annoying that it was like he was like oh i get to ask him all these questions and then he just doesn't give us any of the questions or the answers like 
he's like what's your favorite blah blah and yeah you just there's a montage of him crossing off the questions and it's like well where are they they're not in the movie it's yeah weird. but it, it's interesting because really uh, all it keeps talking about villains and like how he's kind of like the tip of the iceberg like he's part of the problem but he's not the problem and mm. nothing has been done to change it and then he gives you examples where that's where it kind of reminded me of crime and punishment where it was like he was like some guy and an ama asked him like hey so uh i'm like uh, fucked because i require your drug and i'm gonna die without it and he's like oh that's that's not uh, you know a big deal anyone who needs it actually needs it yeah if they just get in contact with me i'll we'll set it up and they can have it for free and they he interviews that guy and the guy's like yeah he gave it to me for free until my treatment was done. And uh, then he's like, well, wh- how do you feel? And he's like, well, I feel very grateful, but I it was still luck. It wasn't like the system didn't uh-huh. like, give anything back. It was just luck that I happened to be on that AMA and asked the guy and got in contact with him. But otherwise it wasn't. So it's very strange. Like it really just goes in deep into like how a human being can be like both things like they can be the worst person like the entire time i wanted to punch the screen i was like this guy's so unlikable and annoying and and just just yeah. dumb i've watched one of his live streams before really did you call him no but no it's just like one of his like he's showing you how do you do he does his like investment spreadsheets yeah that's it yeah it's apparently really boring and stuff but but i, I and the reporter who fell in love with him and thinks he, she's gonna have a job yes! with him, that was all so fascinating like it was it was so interesting why how did she fall in love with him she started interviewing him and then she went to the prison and he started some people think she's manipulating her which i mean uh. i don't know if that's necessarily the case she said he introduced her to his parents and she thinks he's capable of good and that if he can you know he can leave wow. after prison he could probably do something good with his intelligence and stuff and he's like a seriously smart guy but it's it's just so he has to be a smart guy yeah but he's just so nihilistic like and they he the guy the filmmaker which i appreciate that he interviewed that milo yiannopoulos guy stuff like that oh. where it's like characters that are aligned with him philosophically but the filmmaker obviously doesn't oh. care like he was like he was yeah. at some art show he was like that milo threw and he was like oh i went to that and he was like oh so did you like it and the guy was like no <laughs> just straight up like told him no i thought it was you know not my thing but but you know i appreciate seeing that perspective and kind of knowing that these guys are also human they're they seem like monsters and i i the entire time i was so angry at the screen i was like this guy should i want to watch him be run over by a train like several times and and yet i was like oh there's some good in him too like they describe he goes and interviews his lovers and uh former like relationships and you know is uh and they paint a very complex picture of him like you know falling in love with this woman calculating like the probability of some person stepping into the same cab at the same time i was like oh that's cute and they're kind of like falling in love yeah. over math and oh it's adorable but he's a monster at the same time so so i thought that was interesting yeah and it was done in a very interesting way that highlighted that the we work one was a bit more like it's entertaining the we work one but it's like the fire festival one mm-hmm. it just lays out the facts and is like here's black mm-hmm. here's white and uh here's what you think and i'm like okay so the other one's a character study. Yeah, the other one's like more, yeah, just gets in there. So I enjoyed it. That sounds fascinating. Mm-hmm. I'm going to give that a go. 
I, I honestly don't think you'd like it, Arvin. I think you're more familiar with that side of the internet that you'd be just like, you know, like this is gross and tame and these people are idiots where I'm like oh. just fascinated by it because I don't know that much about it. So I know who, yeah, I'm very familiar with Milo Yiannopoulos. Yeah, <laughs> stuff like that. All right. That brings us to our recommendations for this week. Mm-hmm. Have we thought of them? Yeah, we got them? Yeah, totally. Who wants to go first? Mine is the swimming pool. So just watch <laughs> that. It's really good. Michelle? I'm going to be lazy and just do strangers on a train. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm going to once... I think I already recommended this once. I'm going to once again recommend uh, Transit. This is the same director who did Un- Undyne. Mm-hmm. It's... Also, a story set in World War II about trying to get paperwork to prove whether you can leave the country or not, or um, and it's also about identity. It's very Kafka, very Kafka esque mm-hmm. about the bureaucracy, this, abs- uh, this absurd, the absurdness of all this bureaucracy, all this paperwork to comp- to accomplish unfathomable evil. Mm-hmm. It's fascinating companion piece. I also wanted to rec- I also recommend it again. Sunsh- uh, sunset, very similar vibe in terms of like, oh. how did we arrive at this point? Well, how did we even get here? Yeah. yeah. But, and, the same, but, same, and the same sense of like, cold menace. Well, do you, do of, like, you know how to get you? that movie? I, I've been trying to find it forever. So I used to have it on, on uh, I found, I bought it off YouTube. Still trying, I think they took it They can't off. take it off if you bought Is, it. Yeah, why? So well, I can't log into it. I can't log into it again, I think. Well, you uh, got scammed by YouTube. That's a scam. Google. Oh, no, it's because I'm using a brand account. Mm. Okay. That's our recommendations, mm-hmm. which brings us to what we're going to be doing next week. Mm-hmm. Now, I I get to pick. I get to pick this time around. So I'm going to do two horror films. Number one is Roman Polanski's uh, Repulsion. Mm-hmm. That's one I have I have yet to get to yet. The other is It Comes, a 2018 horror film directed by Tetsuya Nakashima, who I'm a big, oh, big, big fan of. So yeah, we're gonna go and one's an Exorcist movie, the other Exorcism movie. The other is I guess another psychological thriller on Polanski's mm-hmm. part. So we're gonna explore both of those. Looking forward to it. All right. So thank you for listening, everybody. Keep it real. And keep it real. Michelle, aren't you going to bid, bid our audience farewell? Okay. Bye. The seventh reel is hosted by Marvin Huang, Michelle Hassel, and Yusuf El Bashir. Logo by Joe Conti. Our ad break music is composed by Yusuf Sui Lin. And our outro music is composed by Yahya El Bashir. Thanks for listening.